Hello and welcome to Captivated Audience. My name is Marie Lundberg and I'm joined as always by Sam Sheen, a professional colleague and friend. Today we are heading west, over the Atlantic, to talk about another interesting topic. So, over to you, Sam. Oh, thanks very much, Marie. I'd like to introduce you all to Dr. Ellison Ann Williams. Ellison Ann, tell us a little bit about where you're currently located and what your current occupation is. So, I am the CEO and founder of Envale, and our physical headquarters are in the Washington, D.C. area. And what exactly does Envale do, and what's its area of specialization? So Envale secures data in use when it's being used or processed. So what does that mean? So if you think about it, the way people most often meaningfully use or process data is by running some kind of a search or an analytic over it to extract those insights, to extract that information. So when we talk about securing the usage of data, we mean being concerned with the security posture of that search or of that analytic as it's being performed. For example, we can take searches, analytics, encrypt them, and then go run them anywhere our software is installed without ever decrypting them at any point during processing. So it really changes the paradigm of where and how organizations can securely and privately leverage data assets. Data in transit, that sounds like risky business. Is, is it so? So data security has three components that I like to talk about and describe as the data security triad. So the first component is securing data at rest on the file system and the database. The second component is securing it in transit, as you just pointed out, as it's moving through the network. And then the third component of data security is securing it in use when it's being used or processed. Many people will be unfamiliar with the term homomorphic encryption, and it has been referred to as cryptography's holy grail. Could you provide us a little bit of a background and explanation what it is and actually how it works? So homomorphic encryption is not a new area of encryption. It's been around about 30 years. And what it allows you to do is to perform computations in the encrypted domain, so in ciphertext space, as if they're in the unencrypted domain or the plain text world. So in other words, do things like take those searches, take those analytics, encrypt them, and then go run them without ever decrypting anything. So as you can hear, that's an unbelievably powerful capability, which is why it's often called that holy grail of encryption. So even though it's been around about 30 years or so, over its lifespan, it's been largely very computationally intensive. So possible, but not practical. So we developed some breakthroughs in the utilization of homomorphic encryption that took it from this impractical, computationally intensive state to now becoming practical. And now that the technology is practical, the commercial market leveraging those kinds of capabilities can be created. So a couple of places that we've seen in the commercial market, this manifest most often recently, are in the areas of enabling secure data sharing and collaboration, so between organization and cross-jurisdictional, and then also in the area of enabling secure data monetization. And in terms of financial crime and anti-money laundering, of course, enabling secure data sharing and collaboration becomes extremely important. So can we elaborate on that just a little bit? You know, what are, what are the practical benefits of homomorphic encryption relative to other measures that are currently being used to secure data? 
so typically uh, data at rest and in transit, it's only going to stay protected in that current state. So when you encrypt your data in the database, when you go use it or process it in any way, typically it's going to be decrypted to have it processed. If you're securing it in transit when it's moving through the network, when it reaches its final destination, that transport security or transport encryption is stripped off and then everything is visible. With homomorphic encryption, that's not the case. So for example, in something like a know your customer, customer due diligence kind of use case, so KYC, CDD, and you're a large multinational financial services institution, so you're operating across jurisdictions where you have various privacy and secrecy regulations. You're not allowed necessarily to move that data around. What homomorphic encryption allows you to do is initiate a search in one of your jurisdictions that may contain information that's covered under that privacy regulation, encrypt it, and then go run it in the other jurisdiction without ever decrypting it at any point during processing. So that information that's covered under that privacy regulation in the jurisdiction of origin is never exposed outside of that jurisdiction. Now, the encrypted results as a result of that encrypted search are produced, sent back to the originating jurisdiction, and then they can be decrypted and further consumed. So it allows you to gain insights that you would have otherwise never been able to gain in an automated way due to various privacy regulations. Alison Ann, which industry seems to first be you know, off the block in terms of, of wanting to actually taking this opportunity to use homomorphic encryption up? Financial services uh, absolutely has been a very early adopter, which is no surprise because it is a very highly regulated industry and in particular in the use cases of anti-money laundering because it's a very highly regulated type of a use case. Secondarily, healthcare. Uh, is a great vertical for leveraging as an early adopter these types of capabilities because of its highly regulated nature as well. The important thing also to note is that homomorphic encryption is sometimes characterized under the technology umbrella of privacy enhancing technologies or PETs as it's sometimes called. So this family of technologies that really enables and preserves the usage of data, uh, privacy within the usage of data. Alison Ann, we've held a couple of tech sprints here in the UK where the theme or the focus has been on anti-money laundering or countering financial crime. So they're a little bit like innovation sandboxes, but they last for about a week. And the teams are put together based on different industry participants. So you can have one regulator, one programmer, and then you're going to have a compliance officer thrown in the middle. They've got one week to like each other and come up with a solution based on the theme. So in 2018, one team tried to present homomorphic encryption as a solution for collecting KYC across institutions. The problem was the judges and many of the financial firms that were present, they couldn't get their heads wrapped around the idea of receiving what one described as a bunch of numbers flying through the internet. So how do we make this technology more digestible or maybe even understandable or try and change people's perception that like it's something out of the matrix? So we absolutely did not have that problem. And the 2019 tech sprint, we competed in and won the KYC CDD use case out at the UK's tech sprint in 2019 and won the entire US tech sprint with FinCEN that, that occurred simultaneously. And we really positioned the capability as a means to an end to really gain additional insights that enabled advanced decisioning that you would have otherwise never been able to get as we talked about before and then explained the underlying technology from there. 
I think it's being very open and transparent about what homomorphic encryption is and what it is not. Open and transparent about the history of it and what it can do for you. Because while technology is interesting, people really care about how it solves one of their problems, not about the tech itself. But it's really interesting for us because here in Europe, the European Banking Authority is very concerned about the mysteries contained in the dreaded black box when it comes to financial institutions relying on technology. And we're going into a consultation this Friday about amendments that allow people to rely on more technology for KYC purposes. And one of the criteria they keep pushing is that you need to understand what's in the black box. I don't know if that's misguided in terms of understanding the technology or if there's a better way to get people comfortable with technology without having a PhD in mathematics. I mean, surely there has to be a better way to approach this to get regulators more comfortable. What do you think? We never advocate that people treat our capabilities or the technology as a black box. So I think that that's the wrong way to gain adoption and traction. In fact, we do the opposite. So in addition to having gone through all of the time and expense, quite frankly, to put global certifications in place around our product, where we submit our products to third-party independent validation labs, and they hit it basically every which way until Sunday, and what comes out are hundreds of pages of public security documentation around the product. That gives people enormous confidence that we do what we say we do, but then also keep in mind that our cryptography, the crypto that we use is open, transparent. Our customer base can inspect it, take a look at it, and even swap it out for something that they would prefer or be more comfortable with. So it's that combination of product validation uh, in an open capacity, as well as cryptographic openness and transparency that allows us to move past those kind of black box regulatory objections. Thank you. I just have to ask, homomorphic encryption, is it the overall solution here, salvation to all sensitive data and KYC issues uh, the financial industry are struggling with? Or what's your take on it? It's fantastic. So technology is fantastic. Homomorphic encryption is amazingly powerful, um, but it doesn't wash the dishes and I can't fly to the moon under my own power based on homomorphic encryption. There are a set of things that it uniquely enables in a fantastic paradigm shifting way and a whole lot of things that it has nothing to do with. Cool. You mentioned the dreaded P word as in privacy and coming back to here in Europe, privacy is a very serious consideration. The European Data Protection Supervisor is discussing, for example, the privacy concerns around trace testing and use cell phone app that has been introduced to track and trace whether you are or have been in contact with somebody who might have been exposed to, to COVID-19 and the virus. There are a lot of privacy and security concerns around this usage. Might homomorphic encryption play a role in allaying those concerns? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. So ultimately, the user should have control over their own private data and should be able to opt in or opt out. Where homomorphic encryption can potentially play a role is that it enables a decentralized way for that secure collaboration to occur. So different uh, data can stay in different locations um, or even resident on the specific device and still be used in a secure and private way. Homomorphic encryption can potentially help with that. 
your recent article on keeping compliance data-centric, you mentioned, and I'm quoting, keeping pace on the hamster wheel of compliance can be exhausting and disruptive while also distracting from core business objectives in a manner that few companies can afford. We talked about it earlier about the data security triad. Can you please elaborate a little bit on it? So privacy at its heart goes right to the data itself because that's where the private information is. It's in the data. That's why data-centric security and privacy is critical for maintaining compliance with whatever regulation exists today, tomorrow, and five years in the future. And the way that you do that is making sure that that data is protected throughout that entire life cycle, which encompasses those three areas of the data security triad, at rest, in transit, and finally when it's being used or processed. And when it comes to data in rest, what type of role can homomorphic encryption play in that? Homomorphic encryption, just like any type of encryption, can be used to secure data at rest when it's in the file system, when it's on a database. But keep in mind that securing and protecting data at rest, it goes way beyond encryption itself to things like access control and governance. So you can't protect what you don't know exists. So the first thing that an organization must do in any kind of privacy situation is know what data that they have and where it is. Then they can take the appropriate steps to make sure that it's protected at rest and also in transit and in use. Uh, that makes total sense. Can I, I'm, can I ask you a bit of an off-the-wall question? Um, if, if you're not comfortable with it, let me know. So you took part in the tech sprint in 2019, and I suspect you would have been like me, sort of hovering, listening to some of the questions that were being asked by the judges as they went around the tables. And I did hear one judge talk about, yeah, but what's going to happen with the regulatory obligation to provide information about your customer upon request and without delay? What if the regulator isn't set up to receive that homomorphic encryption? So we've gone through the first phase where we can get it secure, we can pass it even between enforcement authorities, but what what are they supposed to do with it? How do they break it open? It doesn't seem like an impossible task, but is the next phase then to have enforcement agencies adopt this as a process as well? So given our backgrounds in highly regulated environments like the US intelligence community, where you have to prove that you had the legal authority to ask the questions that you asked and obtain the results that you obtained, we've built that in from the beginning to our products that leverage homomorphic encryption. So we automatically hook into whatever the audit frameworks are of choice to the organizations. And then by extension, they can then make those available as needed to the specific regulators. Elson, and you've had an interesting academic and professional career and you've been recognized both as a specialist in your field, but also as an entrepreneur. And we're seeing more and more women start to take on leadership roles, not only in the area of financial crime prevention, that's been happening for some time, but really seeing them leading up tech departments as well as innovation projects. So what do you think, based on your experience, are some of the important elements, both personally and professionally, that really help to contribute to your own success? First and foremost, excellent mentors. So people that believed in me that I could go and ask any question to at any time. And, and interestingly enough, I've never had a female mentor. They've all been male, which is, I think, indicative to my path and my journey and my background and the fact that as a mathematician, females are the minority. And so I was mainly uh, the only female in the room. 
most of the time throughout my career. And then secondarily, leading with substance. So being more concerned about what I delivered as uh, a, a person and an individual than what the gender was of the people around me. Elson Ann, thank you so much for taking the time and for explaining very complex things in a very down-to-earth way. Absolutely, my pleasure. And if you want to be a guest here on Captivated Audience, or if you have some really interesting topics you think that we should discuss, please drop us a line on captivatedaudience.eu or simply just look us up on LinkedIn. Until next time, thank you and stay safe.